Amen. Well said in the uh, mouths of babes, right? Hey, welcome uh, to the last installment of this series called Recalibrate. Uh, I've been doing this series for the last uh, four weeks and uh, just appreciate uh, what God has been doing uh, in our lives and in our hearts. I want to begin this morning with just a little bit of a review. Uh, the first week we had talked about uh, just recalibrating, recentering, refocusing our lives on uh, the Lord and Jesus Christ. And uh, we talked about how sometimes if we're pursuing God and we just, we just get one degree off, we're just distracted a little bit. If we ride that one degree a long ways, you end up like 4,500 miles off course, right? And, and it's like we didn't intend to get there, but we go down this path and, and over time we get further and further away from God. And so it's time to, to wake up and to say, hey, it's time to keep Christ centered. It's time to keep God centered. Uh, of our worship in the center of our lives and our focus. The second week we talked about how we need to remember. We need to remember who God is. We need to remember what God has done. We had a little um, element to help us with that, the Remember Rocks. Some of you may, may know about that. And if you are watching online this morning, uh, you can come by the office during the week. We have some extras in the lobby. And uh, so you can grab those. Feel free to grab an extra one so you have an extra one. Or if you want to hand it out, share it with somebody. Uh, remember the Remember Rocks. And that's just a uh, a memory for us to remember who God is and what He has done. And then last week, we, we talked about how we are to receive. When we come in here to, to a church service, when we encounter the, the living God, that we need to expect to receive something from the Lord. That this isn't some passive thing, this is an active thing, that we expect God to speak to us through the Word and through worship and through the elements of communion, that God wants us to receive something from Him, and that a lot of times we need to adjust our posture to understand how we receive those things from the Lord. And then today we're going to be talking about responding. How do we respond? Now, it might be a prerequisite to uh, be a preacher, but uh, sometimes when we are in our preparation for a sermon, we come up with a story or an antidote or a, or a joke or, or something that we think is going to be really great. And it seems like, as I've been preaching uh, for more and more through the years, uh, that there are sometimes you have the best of intentions and you think, this is funny, it made me giggle, the congregation is going to laugh along as well. And you tell a story, whatever, and then you actually get to that moment and you get, you know, you get nothing, it's crickets, right? I mean, it's the worst feeling in the world, you know? And what you're expecting and what you're wanting to warrant there is a response. You're wanting a response from the congregation, and, and uh, oh, I can relate to that, or, or something like that. And so a lot of times we get in these awkward moments, even in a sermon, where it's like, oh, wow, that's really awkward. Have you guys ever experienced that? And no one raised a hand. Thank you for that awkward moment. <laughs> you drove the point home for me. Thank you so much. But no, sometimes we are. And sometimes you'll give somebody a present, and isn't it awkward when they don't say thank you, or they don't acknowledge it, or you can tell they didn't like that, you know? And, and and so it's like by the lack of response you get from them, you can read into things. And it got me thinking, if I'm the God of the universe, if I'm your heavenly father, I mean, I made you. And I made you not only special, I made you in my likeness, the scripture says. And I made you to worship. Like there's this, this craving inside of your, your heart and your life. And there's this deep desire, this longing to worship. And if I'm the God that has done all of this for you, including I sacrificed my child, my one and only son, I sacrificed him for you, and your response to me is nothing? Wow. I mean, sometimes we worry a lot about how we feel, 
I wonder sometimes we need to think, how does God feel? I wonder if that hurts his heart. I wonder if it hurts his heart when he takes care of us and gives us everything. I mean, everything you enjoy about your life right now, anything that you enjoy about your life now in the past comes from him. And yet our response is to celebrate him, is to acknowledge him, is just nothing. I think if I'm God, it it hurts me sometimes. I want to dive into this today as we talk in this last part of Recalibrate, as we refocus and recenter and recalibrate our lives on Christ, that there ought to be a response. I think any time you encounter God in your mind, in the Scripture, through a prayer, uh, through a song, uh, through a spoken word or, or a written word, whenever you feel the presence of God well up in you, there needs to be a response from us. Sometimes the, those responses take many forms, but there needs to be something, some type of action that we would take. I want to remind us the definition of worship, and you might remember this from the very first week of this series. Here's how we define worship. Worship is giving your whole self to God. Worship is giving your whole self to God. We're talking about everything. And if that is the case, then we would give him our response as well. And if you were to reflect on that for just a moment this morning, what's your response to God like? How do you respond to God? Because if he wants all of us, the inner life, the outer life, then how does that look like, or what does that look like when we want to respond to him? I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. If you didn't bring a Bible this morning, there's one there in the seat. Or if you uh, have your phone or your tablet, you can download the Oakwood app, and inside of there is a place that says Sermon Notes. And if you click on that, all the scripture, all the bullet points and everything will be there for you this morning. There's even a cool way you can take notes and save them right there in the app. So uh, check that out, Oakwood Enid. But Romans chapter 12, I'm really going to look at two different passages this morning, Romans chapter 12 and Colossians chapter 3. But I really want to let these sink in and challenge us and maybe challenge our mindset this morning as we approach uh, God in worship, as we recalibrate our lives on him. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Now, I memorized this a long time ago um, in the NIV 1984 edition, so without the 2011 update. So uh, that's how I'm going to be saying it this morning because I tried to read it in two other versions and I butchered it every time. So Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. So there's this urgency to it. Okay, I'm going to urge you to do this. And why are we doing this? In response to God's mercy, we deserve what? We deserve death. We deserve judgment for all the sinfulness and the filth in our lives and in our minds. But in view of God's mercy because of his forgiveness, because of his great love for us, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Some translations say this is your right and proper worship. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform, verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, especially when we're worshiping, recalibrating on God. Don't, Don't conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. It's a mindset thing. We've got to get control of this this mind of ours. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind because then you'll be able to test 
and to prove what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. And so many people seek that, right? I mean, in all areas of their life, you know, who am, who am I supposed to date? Who am I supposed to marry? I want to do the will of God. I want to know. When you walk close to God, when you are a living sacrifice for him, when you are more in step with him, when you have recalibrated your life on him, it is way easier to understand the will of God in your life and to feel led by God in your life. You know, there's something interesting I want to bring out of verse 1 here. When he says to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, when you read that word bodies, you just think the physical body, right? It's like, I'm offering my arm to God as a living sacrifice. I'm going to offer my hands to God. I'm going to offer my feet to God as a living sacrifice. And I'll go, you know, do things for him. That's what he's talking about. If you actually drill down on that Greek word, it's used like 174 times in the New Testament. If you actually drill down to it, it gives us this idea of entire or whole. So it's not just talking about like our physical body. I mean, it is enveloping that. It does mean that. But it's also talking about the entirety of our whole person, made in the image of God, in the likeness of God, that we, in our humanness, the whole person, the mind, the heart, the spirit, the body, that all of it, that, that our bodies are living sacrifices. Our entire being is a living sacrifice. Think about it this way, as, as we were referred to the body of Christ. The body of Christ is God's church, so it's everyone in the room right now. We are the body of Christ, and we are all different, different parts, different people, and, and, and we all have different functions within the body. That's what he's saying is just like it's the body of Christ, the whole entire body, and not just at Oakwood, but right the church body worldwide, churches in Enid, churches around the globe that, that worship Jesus Christ and put him first and most and best in their life. It's like all, that is the body of Christ. That is Christ's church with all of its different parts. So as your body, as your entirety, as your whole self, as your parts, offer them as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, because this is your spiritual act of worship. So building on what we said before, that worship is giving your whole self to God. Worship is the act of pouring oneself out. Okay, think sacrifice. Worship is the act of pouring oneself out. Okay, think about sacrifice. What did it say there in Romans 12? We are to be a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Because here's the fact. We're made to worship. God created us to be worshipers. And we all worship and we pour ourselves out for something. God wants it to be him. Problem is, a lot of us pursue the flesh. Let's be honest this morning. A lot of us, a lot of us, we'll pour ourselves out for that next relationship, right? Pour ourselves out for that person we're going to date, or maybe we're looking for that person that we're going to marry, or person we're going to be engaged to, and so we'll pour ourselves out. We'll sacrifice for that relationship. Some of us, it it, it, it may be something else. Some some of us may be a financial pursuit. We will pour ourselves out. We will make sacrifices so we can have this financial pursuit in our life. Some of us, it's about an experience. It's so I can have this experience in my life that I'll pour out myself, I'll sacrifice, and I can just get away and I can go to a mountain or I can go to an ocean. And, and so we have this ability within us to pour ourselves out for all of these other things. Some of it's for achievement. Some of it, let's be honest, we're, we're prideful people. It's for recognition for ourselves. I will sacrifice and I will pour myself out for recognition of some type. And God says, ah, None of that. Pour yourself out for me. Make a sacrifice for me. 
a living sacrifice. Offer your whole entire as a living sacrifice for me. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is your true and proper worship. This is the way you recalibrate your life because now I'm first and now I'm best and now I'm most important and now I'm the center and now I'm the focus. And all of these things that distract you in the world go to the wayside because you are recalibrated and refocused and recentered on me. And this is the way it should be, and this is the way that, that God wants it because everyone pours out themselves for something. Maybe it's a sport. You know, may, maybe it's a hobby. God created humans to have this desire to pour out and to give themselves to something. And Satan is right there with us, right? And he's, he's wanting to give ourselves to something, right? Go give your given to sinfulness, given to temptation. You know, let, let, let's, let's go do this, let's go do that. Pursue selfish things. Don't, don't worry about how your decisions um, may, may be bad for the future or affect your family or whatever. Just do what you want to do. As long as you're happy, that's all that matters. It's a lie. Recalibrate on yourself and what you want out of life. That's the whisper of Satan in our ear. God says, no, recalibrate on me. Offer your entire whole being, yourself, your, your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. Here's the fact. When you make a decision to follow Christ and you make a decision as a new believer in Jesus Christ, it means that you are now directing your outpouring to God first and most often in your life. He becomes the focus of your devotion. He becomes the center of your attention. We give our whole self, our whole life to Him. We pour out ourselves. We sacrifice for Him. But as we talked about earlier, we have this tendency to kind of wander, to stray. For some of us, I think it would be more, uh, more likely to say that we, we hold back. We don't give God our whole self. We're just going to give him part of ourselves, And that's part of the lies, the, the lies of Satan as well. Is, well, if I don't have to give God my whole self, I can just give him part of myself, right? I mean, the devil's like 70%. Give 70% to God. You know, do 30% of your life on your own terms. And that's enough. That probably enough gets you into heaven, right? It's like, yeah, just, you know, 70 and, and 30. But that 30% gets you in so much trouble and can so lead you so far astray from God. And God says, no. No, he, I demand loyalty. I want you to be, be willing to pour yourself out to sacrifice for me, to be a living sacrifice. And not only stop there, but to be holy and pleasing. Because this is true, true worship. Let's let another uh, passage speak to us this morning. Colossians chapter 3. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. And again, if you're following along in the app, it'll be right there in the notes. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to begin with verse 1. Now, I really want the words of this passage to sink in. I'm going to pause here and there and, and explain, make sure we're getting the fullness of this. But let this speak to you this morning, okay? Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Sometimes I don't feel like we fully grasp that. What does that mean that we're raised with Christ? In Romans chapter 6, and, and Paul wrote Romans. Paul also wrote the book of Colossians. In Romans chapter 6, he talks about the watery grave of baptism. He says, you were therefore buried in sin under the watery grave of baptism, and you were raised to walk in newness of life. And so you died to sin symbolically in baptism, and now you're raised to walk in newness of life, that you have left your sins behind, that, that God has washed you white as snow. 
Okay, there's where we are, Colossians 3. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. You've thrown off the old sinfulness. Those sins have been washed away. Then set your hearts on things above. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is, where, where the Son of God is, he's seated at the right hand of God. He's waiting to come back. As soon as God appoints him, boom, he'll be back. He's at the right hand. And it says to set Okay, it gives us this permanence to set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Go to verse 2, and then it says, set what else? Set your minds, okay? Minds, attention, hearts, affection on the Lord God Almighty. He's first, he's most, he's best, he's highest, always. And that's what he's hitting, it's what he's hitting right here. Verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. If you find yourself just, just focused on the things of this world, stop. Put in some worship music, read some scripture, get in your closet and pray, spend some time with the Lord. Spend some time with the Lord and allow him to speak to you and get you focused on eternity and not just the here and now. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Verse 3, for you died, you died, remember we are talking about that symbolically in, in baptism, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Hidden with Christ and God. Let that soak in for a second. Wow. I died to my old self. I'm this new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, For if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Behold, all things are made new through Jesus Christ. And because of that, you died. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. He's our covering. Now go down to verse 16. It says, let the message of Christ, all this good news that we've just been talking about, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. In other words, it's on the increase. It's going to just, just be on our lips and on our minds. And he says, let this, let this dwell among you richly as you teach. You're going to have to teach. And so we've got to know the Word of God to teach. And we're going to teach and we're going to admonish one another. This gives us this idea of correction, but it's a good kind of correction. It's not like a shameful correction. It's a, come on, let's do better. Let's pursue Christ together. Let's throw off the, the sin that hinders us and so easily entangles us. And let's move toward Christ Jesus. That's what it says here. It says to teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. And then it says, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. It's actually talking about singing to God, like worship, like singing praise songs to God with gratitude in our hearts. And whatever you do, whatever I do, like everything, whatever you do, everything that I Everything that you do, whatever you do, and whatever you do, whether in word, whether it's something that's spoken from your mouth or thought in your mind, whether in word or in deed, it's something that you do with your hands or some kind of action that you take. So whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is how we recalibrate our life. This it's how we worship God. This is how we honor and praise Him. And so today as we're talking about how do we respond, I want to pull some truth out of Romans and, and, and out of Colossians for you this morning to hopefully help us. We respond to God. How do we respond to God? We respond to God with the first thing is praise. He is worthy of anything you could possibly think about Him, say about Him. He is so worthy of praise. We praise so many things in this world. There's going to be people getting praised today because of football 
You know, oh, look at that arm. Oh, look how fast he ran. Oh, look how many tackles he broke. Oh, look, he kicked the 56-yard field goal for the game. You know, we go, oh, pray, oh, cool. Yeah, he's awesome. He's great, you know, and we get on social media. Dude, God is so much better and so much bigger a deal than football or than anything else we could praise in this world. And we need to be praising him all of the time. That is how we respond to God. If you're a true worshiper and you're, 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 you're recalibrating your life on him, then you respond to him with praise. I'm going to turn over here to Psalm uh, chapter 150. And it's going to be on the screen for you to follow along. What's interesting, this is the last chapter, the last part of the book of Psalms, is Psalm 150. And what's interesting about Psalm 150, if you're going to end the book of Psalms, and Psalms is a long book, the longest book in the Bible, okay, 150 chapters, how are we going to end it? What are they going to say at the end? Let's, let's say it together, okay? So I'm going to put the words on the screen. I want you to say it with me this morning, okay? Psalm 150. Here we go. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Wow. Okay, hang on a second. Now, there's about four times as many people in here as there was in first service, okay? The first service, we had to stand up to do this. So let's do it. Stand up. Let's praise him through his word this morning, Psalm 150. And let's do it in a way like, like let's say it like we mean it, okay? Let's say it, let's say it with some heavenly authority. We're talking to God right now. It says, he inhabits the praises of his people. So let's say it like we mean it this morning. Let's say it with some gumption here. Psalm 150, okay, we're declaring back to God who he is, what's written in his word about him. Here we go, Psalm 150, it's on the screens for you. Praise the Lord. Oh, so much better. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the the Lord, right? Like God's people know what they're talking about. God is worthy of our praise. Now, one thing I love about sermons is we're supposed to apply them to our life, right? Well, I'm going to give you a quick application today because I've asked the worship team to come and we're going to sing some praise to God too. Now, you can praise God through the spoken word like we just did in, in Psalm 150, but you can also praise him with words that are put to music, that, that, are, that are catchy. And, and this is low-hanging fruit, people, okay? The name of this song is, Oh, Praise the Name, okay? I mean, if we're going to praise the Lord, we sing, Oh, Praise the Name. So, But I want you to sing it different. I want you to sing it like, sing it with heaven this morning, all right? Like, like, really, understand who God is. He is worthy of all that is spoken about him here. It talks about the sacrifice of his son. Let's sing it as God's church this morning with gumption again, please. Let's sing this song together. See 
praise. Give him praise for who he is. Give him praise for all that he has done for us. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, right? You may be seated. If you thought the sermon was over, it's not. So, But man, what a, what a special moment. Just, it, I just feel like times like that, it just takes the veil back from heaven and says, hey, this is what it's going to be like, and you're going to feel it. You know, people are sticking their heads in the, in the glass in the back doors going like, what's going on in the sanctuary? Probably children's ministry, they're going to talk about it tomorrow. and be like, I don't know what happened. We could hear you all singing this week. I don't know what happened, but yeah, it's, it's good to praise the Lord. And that should be our response to God for who he is, for all that he's done for man. He deserves that. We, we should do that and, and, and do it more often and do it for hours on end, just responding to God with praise, who he is. And again, I just want to reiterate, you can do that through the spoken word, uh, you can do that through words set to music. Uh, just be drawn into the presence of God to praise Him. Another way that we respond to God, though, is with generosity. And we, and we do this really in four areas. We do it with our time, we do it with our talent, we do it with our testimony, and we do it with our tithe. But when we are generous, we are responding to God. We are looking like our Savior Jesus Christ because it says God so loved the world that He gave and we see that all throughout Scripture, that God is a giving God to his children. And one of the ways we can do that is with our time. We can give more time to God. We give him more time in, in, in worship. We give him more time with our, our, our small group. We give him more time in the Word every day. We give him more time in prayer. But we give God a chunk of time. You think about your schedule during the week. How much time is it there for the God of the universe? And you say, well, I want to be close to God, and I want to recalibrate my life and center it on him. It takes time. And so we need to be generous with our time toward God. Give him even more time. The second thing is talent. We need to be generous with our talent toward God, whatever you're good at. You know, I think a lot of times um, in, the, in, the, in, the spirit, in the spirit of uh, fall season and football and all that stuff, we think sports. You know, like I, that guy's really talented. And I was thinking of an athlete, Tim Tebow, right? Tim Tebow was a, was a really good quarterback. And what he did is he leveraged his platform for the Lord. And he started Night to Shine. He started all these organizations and these ministries that serve people and shed Christ's love and the gospel on people. Now, if you think about that, that's leveraging your platform. Some of you are saying, well, you know, I don't have a platform. Yes, you do. If you're a school principal, you have a platform. If you're on a school board, you have a platform. If you're a teacher in the classroom, you have a platform. If you're the teller at the bank, you have a platform. What did it say in Colossians 3? Let's go back. It says, whatever you do. Well, even when I'm a financial planner, even in my financial planning, yes. Share scripture with someone. Pray with someone. Invite someone to church. I mean, it doesn't matter what you do. It says, whatever it is, whatever you do, whether in word, whether it's something you speak, or whether people just see you taking action steps for the Lord, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because he gets the glory for it. You look at Team Tebow and you look at his platform, what did he do? He leveraged it for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He leveraged his platform for the kingdom of God. Whatever it is you do, whatever you do, and it's not just a job thing, it's in your hobbies, it's whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's why I love ministries in our church, like the, the guys that go hunting all the time. I love that. Well, or, or, or the, the people that ride motorcycles. It's like we ride motorcycles for the glory of God. We play golf for the glory of God. Whatever you do, whether it's in word or in deed, do it all for the glory of God. You are responding to God with generosity, 
and you're using your talents, the things that he's equipped you with, the places that he's put you especially for him. And that leads right into the next one, which is our testimony. So we have our time, we have our talent, we have our testimony. This is our story of how we respond to God and what God has done in our life, and it's our personal testimony. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it talks about that all Christians, all those who follow Christ, need to be ready to give a reason for the faith that they have. You should always be ready to tell your story. And if you're not prepared, I'm telling you right now, you need to be prepared. If you're like, gosh, I don't know what I'd say. Well, think about what you would say. And then think about every opportunity you have to share it for the Lord. This is how you respond to him. And it was generosity in your time, your talent, your testimony, and also your tithe. We're called in Scripture to be generous to God with our finances. He promises us that the 90% will go farther than 100%, and he calls on his people to give back to his kingdom's work. And not only just the tithe, not only 10%, but to give offerings beyond that. It's the only part in Scripture where God actually says, test me. The God of the universe says, test me. He says, test me in this. See if you can outgive me. Go ahead, test me in this. And so we are, we are responding to God with praise. We're responding to him with generosity in our time, our talent, our testimony, and our tithe. And the last one is that we respond to God with gratitude. With gratitude. Because some of us, if we're honest, we've got an attitude. We're going through some stuff right now. Being honest, maybe we'd say, I'm just not loving God right now. Not liking God. I challenge you to do this. Go get a piece of paper this week and start listing the blessings. As the song says, name them one by one. Anything you have to be thankful for, got a roof over your head, running water in your sink, doing better than like 90% of the world. But why don't you make a gratitude list? And why don't you be, be a, a person that responds to God with gratitude and thankfulness in your heart? And you make a list of all the blessings and the relationships and just all the things that God has given you, all the things that he has done in your life, the blessings of just his, his um, presence in your life. And list all those things out and watch it change your heart. Psalm chapter 136, verse 1 says this. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever something to be thankful for, right? His love for us actually endures forever. Doesn't matter what happens in the world. Doesn't matter what happens after. It doesn't what happens through the book of Revelation and we get to the end, we know God wins. But all those things pale in comparison. We just need to give thanks to the Lord because he's good and his love endures forever forever. And in doing these things and in, in, in praising him and in, in being generous with our time, our talent, our testimony, and our tithe, and, and in being in, the, in this response of gratitude for him. Just being thankful. Being, we're coming into Thanksgiving season this fall. It's a great time to be reflecting on how thankful we should be to the Lord. And doing all these things. Whether we calibrate our lives on him. I want to end our time this morning by reading Colossians chapter 3 again, and this is what I just call soaking in the word, because you've already heard it. I just want you to take it in again. Let God speak to you right now. Let him, let him speak to your heart and to your, to your mind, and then we're going to respond to God by taking communion together. So uh, Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, 
Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Amen. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether it be in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. As we're going to respond to God this morning, it's a good moment of recalibration as we're going to observe the elements of communion right now together. And if you're with us online, grab those, those elements right now. If you happen to forget yours this morning, they're still on the tables in the back. You can just slip outside the door and, and grab that. But we're going to respond to God with uh, taking communion this morning. This bread represents his body and the cup represents his blood. And this is a memorial meal that he set up with his followers. And he said, to do this in remembrance of me. That was, that was like his strict command about doing this was do this in remembrance of me. And when we assemble as the body of Christ, we do this every week. And so we're going to take this moment and we're going to take this bread and we're going to take this precious cup, the blood of the new covenant. We take these emblems and we remember Christ's sacrifice for us. We remember this is what it's really all about. In these elements is eternal life. In these elements is the forgiveness of sin. <laughs> In these elements and through taking these together, we worship. We respond to God. And it wells up in us gratitude. Let's pray before we take communion this morning. Lord God, I thank you for this moment. God, this is a moment where we gather around the table with all the saints everywhere, all, all of the Christians, not just here in the room, but around the world, those online right now. Lord, we come to this moment and we take this bread and we take this cup and we do this to remember you, to remember the precious sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Salvation had a high cost. It cost the life of the son of God. I pray in these next few minutes, God, that you purify us from all unrighteousness. I pray that that our full attention could be just put on you. God, that inside our hearts, we could just praise you for who you are and what you've done for us. And God, that you would draw us in ever closer to you in these next few moments. God, we love you and we thank you for this opportunity to be close to you, to commune with you in this way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just take a couple minutes now and take communion together? Thank you.